WBNE. Hello from elsewhere, I'm Casey. And I'm Valerie, and welcome to the podcast where we explore pop culture. This episode comes to you straight from the biggest wave off the coast of California. Because today we're discussing beach party movies. When I think of surfing, I think of like the surfing voice. So we should do this whole episode in the in the surfing voice. You ready for that? Like you mean like surf lingo, like hang ten you know, like, and yeah, like talk like Keanu Reeves a little a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> like Keanu Reeves. Actually, what I think of is the aliens toward the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. There's one alien, one of the Nemoidians on General Grievous's ship. And he talks like a surfer. He's like, two Jedi are headed to the main hangar bay. Yes, I can picture that now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> dude, General Grievous, dude, two Jedi. Exactly. Speaking of Star Wars, I had a dream featuring Ryan Johnson, director of The Last Jedi. Really? Director of Knives Out. But it was a nightmare, Valerie. Mm. You know, and many of our listeners know how much I love Ryan Johnson. Yes. He has an affinity for sweaters, first of all. Um... And I just love him and I would love to meet him someday. He's absolutely one of my favorite directors. But in this dream, I was wearing one of my many cardigans and he said, your, sw- your sweaters are very thin. And it was like, that's a, he said that's that. That's a put down? But he, yeah, the way he said it was like, he was putting down not just the sweater I was wearing, but all of my sweaters. Or maybe that my collection is thin, like I didn't have enough. Mm. Or they were all threadbare. I don't know what he meant, but I could tell from his tone that he was very derisive huh yeah and i just woke up feeling disparaged and distraught <laughs> and i didn't tell you about it because i was so upset because you're so upset yep not because you're saving it for the podcast <laughs> it was probably that but but yes ryan johnson was talking smack about my sweater game and i'm still reeling <laughs> guess you just have to work on that casey find yourself some new sweaters i'll have to thicken my sweater yes. collection exactly to make ryan johnson happy Mm -hmm. just send him pictures as you're shopping to ask for his approval (laughs) he just starts getting all these random at tweets from you about sweaters what do you think about this one should i buy this one does this meet with your approval oh man do you think he'd respond i I like going shopping with you you should know this but Mm -hmm. my dream would be to go sweater shopping with ryan johnson (laughs) like that is that's on my bucket list now It'd be fantastic. <laughs> also, you and I don't go shopping together because then we'd also have to take all the children. It's yeah, occasionally it's rare. If, if they're off at the parents or something and off with the grandparents, yeah. Yeah, my parents, yes. Yes. We do online shopping together. <laughs> That's we true. We sit around. What do you think about this sweater? Mm-hmm. Casey, before we get into our episode today, yep. I have an all important question for you. I'm ready. Okay. From SMAP, who is one of our sprinkle wizards of elsewhere. We, yes. cha- we changed the name. <laughs> they used to just be wizards of elsewhere. But, but then a fantastic <laughs> conversation happened in Discord. and Involving got, sprinkles and ice yep. cream. And they got changed to sprinkle wizards. And this is why you should join the Discord. Yeah, so you don't miss out on inside jokes like yep. sprinkle wizards. So head to patreon.com slash hello from elsewhere. I, we would love it if you became a sprinkle wizard of elsewhere. But there are other fun tiers too. Absolutely. So. But yes, SMAP submitted this, this also, question. Also, Casey, what? we should mention we've reached 20 patrons. Right. On ho- on our, for insane. our podcast, which is fantastic, which means we're going to be sending out our... Happy super uh, duper postcard things. Yes, postcards. Eventually. Personalized. I'm going to do some doodles. 
Case is a great doodler. I'm the doodle master. You are. <laughs> <laughs> but back to the question from Smap. She asked, among all of the char- all the characters in the beach party genre, who would you want to be stuck with on a deserted island? What's your answer? I want to hear yours. Gidget, which we'll talk about her, but I love Gidget, and I think we'll she'd be fun Gidget. to hang out on a beach with. I think you. I think you would get along. Oh yes. I think you'd be good pals, and Gidget and I would be pals. Francie and I would be pals. Island. I mean, her name's Francie. That's true. I was like, who's Francie? I, no, right? I'd already forgotten that that was Gidget's real name, <laughs> <laughs> even though we just watched it. Uh, for me, I would be deserted. On, this one's easy. Buster Keaton, because he's in a few beach party <laughs> movies. And so I can, I'm allowed to pick him. What a cop out. And he's got a few cameos. Yeah, but small he could roles. just and he could entertain me and he could tell me stories. And do you think he talks in real life? He never talks in the movies. He does in the beach party. I've heard his voice now. I'd never heard his voice voice before. Say, I've never heard his voice. Old silent films, but by the time of of you know beach blanket bingo, there was sound. He was um like sixty nine, I think. Sixty nine. What does old man Buster and, Keaton look like? I mean, he looks the same, just older, as most people do when they mm, get older. You know. Um. Yeah, sixty nine. So he's getting pretty old, but I heard his voice. It was deeper than I thought it would be. Interesting. Yeah. Because he's a shorter guy, right? Not like it was super deep, but just... Deeper than you were picturing. But also people's voices change slightly as they age too. That's true. I am interested to know what his voice sounded like in his prime. Back in the 1920s? I know not. But yes, I would pick Buster Keaton. How how have we not done an episode about Buster Keaton yet? We will someday. I want to do it justice. You're currently wearing a Buster Keaton shirt. I am shirt. actually wearing my Buster Keaton <laughs> shirt. That's funny. I did not I did not plan that for this recording. I uh it just That's just, just how, but how often Buster Keaton just appears. We often in our watch lives. Buster Keaton on Saturdays with the kids and so I wore one today and but we were also recording and Buster Keaton was going to naturally come up because we're talking about beach party movies. Because you naturally think Buster Keaton when you think <laughs> beach party movies. Right. No, not really. But I just learned it this, you know, in prep for this episode that he's in, I think he's in two of them. Yes. Two or three. Two? Two. But yes. So anyways, we're, we're talking about beach party movies. Which is a whole interesting genre of film that is mostly gone. Like it was really popular for a long time Yeah. in the 60s and then it got played out and then it didn't appear for ages after that and by the time it did later and we'll get into this it was just more in a spoof self-referential way than a actual resurgence of the genre or anything exactly it's very interesting because a lot of movies either come back or they're always there but in a small way like if you think musicals musicals were really big and then they weren't very big for a Mm -hmm. while but then you'd still get the occasional musical And then musicals are really popular again right now. Same thing with westerns and yeah, any of those big genres. Um, they always but, come back or have a few in between years or something. But beach party movies don't really exist much anymore. Yeah, And we're not talking just anything that happens to take place on the beach or the ocean or surfing movies. We're talking a very specific genre of beach party, beach party movies. movies. Mm-hmm. Um so, so let's talk about some qualifiers, Casey, like for what a, makes, what makes yeah. a beach party movie. Okay. What makes a beach party movie, Valerie? Okay. They have to have some rear projection waves for <laughs> yes, surfing. Exactly. You know, so that people can stand in front 
and pretend to be on a wave? It has to be pretty obvious that they're in a studio with a screen of waves behind them. (laughs) (laughs) That that is definitely a must on the Mm -hmm. checklist of what makes a beach party movie. Right, because... I mean, you might get a few long shots of somebody yes. out on the waves. In Gidget, you get quite a few. But in general... In actual beach party series of movies, they reuse a lot of footage. Oh, that sounds <laughs> of the about long right. the long shots and stuff. Yeah, they're Makes like, sense. why get gonna... new people to fill, you know, just yeah. reuse the old footage. Exactly. Perfect. And we should say we're doing this just to sort of get us in the summer mood. But also maybe it's a little bit mean because a lot of people can't really go to the beach right now. We live nowhere near a beach. We wouldn't be going right. to the beach anyway. We would be sad anyways, but yeah. I think maybe we're making other people sad. So no, here's if we the are, point we're is sorry. we're trying to get them to watch these fun movies to make it feel like summer, even because if they, they can't, can't go, go to the beach. beach. Okay. Yeah. I will. I buy that. I like that idea. So enjoy a beach movie instead of going to the beach. What else makes a beach party movie? I need one of yours. Oh, we're going back and forth. Sure. Is that how we're doing it? Well, it has to take place mostly on the beach or in the ocean or in some sort of shack or beach house or cafe with beach themed decor nearby the beach so it's all kind of taking place centered around beach, a beach or beach adjacent yes mm-hmm. and the, a lot of the plot has to revolve around that location i agree there also needs to be you kind of mentioned it but there needs to be a shack a shack of some kind a shack of mm-hmm. some kind whether it's big kahuna's little shack he lives in right whether it's big mama's beach shack where they get seafood Mm, teasing some teen beach movie for people in there exactly (laughs) (laughs) there has to be a shack was that yours your next one yes okay it's got to have some uh some music some musicians there's always music scenes and they're often beach boy ripoff bands not always, but often. Often. Also, there has to be just the characters themselves breaking it out into song at some point. Yes, they are musicals. Like in all the Frankie and Annette movies, I think mm-hmm. Annette sings a love song in like almost all of them. Mm-hmm. There needs to be somebody who's properly moody, like brooding. Yeah, like the emo surfer. Yes. Mm-hmm. The one who's just really there for the waves, man. Yeah, doesn't have time for the girls. Exactly taking the waves seriously yes it's a way of life we should say that they all generally revolve around teenagers as the main characters that was my other one there's Mm -hmm. a horde of teenagers yep and they're partying maybe college kids surfing teenagers college kids somewhere people say that they're wild and crazy but they're not really that wild or crazy they're 1960s wild and crazy even then they're not protesting vietnam It's an interesting point. None of these movies focus... That was another one on my mind. None of these movies focus on any actual big issues of the era. Right. Like, it's 1960s, but they there's no mentions of, like, the Vietnam War or the Civil Rights Movement. Yes. Or I have a lot to say on those. this. Yeah. But I'm not going to say it yet. Okay. Get to that later. <laughs> um, in a similar vein, in terms of social things, the cast is always very, very white. Yep. Except for the occasional cameo from a black musician of some kind like little richard or stevie mm-hmm. wonder yep other than that it's all white characters yep california white characters yep pretty middle class there um, are with the exception of gidget there are like no parents present yes at all ever mm-hmm. the adults are usually some sort of executive or business person trying to take over the beach or some person that's like trying to shut down all the partying in some way mm, yes um if it's not like in gidget where it's the the parents are the adults in that one but 
Um, there's usually a good mix of male and female characters, but the female characters are usually pretty objectified. Yep. They're the there male for the characters bikinis. kind of are too, but especially the female characters, as you would expect. The girls are there for the, the manhunt. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There's zero comment on like the history of surfing, you know, starting in Polynesia or anything like that. Mm, yeah. Is surfing cultural appropriation? I had never thought about it. It, it was. I mean, that's where it started. Huh. Yeah. White people kind of stole it from from Polynesians. That totally makes sense. I had just never mm-hmm. thought about it. Yeah. I mean, it's been so long. So then I, I don't know if there's Is there sort a of statute a statute of limitations on cultural appropriation. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's the big question. I want to hear what people's thoughts are on that. But it definitely, definitely started out as a colonialism thing. And also, I mean, we should say when these movies came out, it was sort of when things were getting desegregated. But before that, you know, people of color wouldn't have been allowed on white on beaches. beaches or nicer beaches. And so in that way, it was also... California was California I don't know if it was ever as segregated as like the deep south I know there were I don't know I know in on some coasts there were whites only beaches but I'm not sure in terms of um east versus west coast I don't know but yeah things to learn these movies often feature uh some sort of biker gang often as rivals to the surfer gang yes turf wars play a role exactly those are kind of the big ones you got any other that's what I've got on the checklist okay yeah so let's move into the history of beach party movies casey yep let's go for it what was the first one the first beach party movie is gidget your favorite one gidget was there before there were beach party movies yes so gidget was made in night or released in 1959 the movie but it was a book first and i found this really interesting because i feel like i i looked it up before and realized it was a book but i've never read any of the gidget books but the gidget book which is titled Gidget the Little Girl with Big Ideas was published in 1957 so just two years before the movie came out and it was written by Frederick Koner who based the story on his daughter Kathy. So Kathy Koner was Gidget. She went to the beach I think she was like 16 or 17 at the time she went to the beach she wanted to learn how to surf but there were you know of course groups of teenage guys there who wouldn't let her or were uninterested in you know letting her be part of the group and and so she would like like she learned to surf by trading peanut butter sandwiches that she made at home um with the you know with the boys so that they she could like bribe them to give her like surf lessons so she could learn how and uh one of them gave her the nickname gidget which is a you know like it's a portmanteau of girl plus midget gidget because she was short she was like five foot three i think and or maybe which isn't really a socially acceptable word anymore we should say (laughs) what gidget no what gidget comes from oh yes that's all i'm saying okay go ahead (laughs) (laughs) but funny that you bring that up because gidget they tease her with that nickname um but she kind of takes it on as like yes i'm one of the guys i've got a nickname Mm. both in the book and in the movie well and kathy in real life because Everybody there had a, all the guys had a nickname. Like what, where they used to hang out was called Tube Steaks. Uh, was called Tube Steak. That was his name. Tube Steak? Yep. It's a horrible nickname. <laughs> Sorry. That was his nickname. Sorry, Tube Steak. And he had a, you know, he had a Malibu beach shack that he ran, you know. Of course, there's always a shack. Yeah. So in real life, there was a shack Tube that he steak ran. Tube Steak Shack. Exactly. <laughs> That's how the locals said it. <laughs> So by the end of the summer, Kathy had 
earned her enough money to, you know, buy a surfboard and, and she was hooked and she loved it. And she told her dad, you know, I'd like to write a book about all my experiences this summer um, or what was going on this summer. And because he was already a author and a screenwriter, he was like, well, I could write it for you. And so they kind of worked together, which the book has been praised for having a really strong female voice, even though it's from a male author. And it's in part because she had so much input on it. Not to jump ahead, did he help on the screenplay for the movie at he all? He did write the screenplay for the movie. Uh, he wrote the screenplay for the first Gidget movie, but not the next two. Mm-hmm. He also went on to write five other Gidget books. So there's six Gidget books in total and three Gidget films. And then it went on to have a, a Gidget TV show. With Sally Field. With Sally Field. Is the Field. first one the only one that's like on the beach and then there's other... Like, cause I think one's Gidget mm. Goes to Rome. And... Gidget Goes to Rome obviously has zero beach, mm-hmm. um, which I've seen all three Gidget movies. Gidget Goes Hawaiian or Goes to Hawaii. I guess that one would probably have surfing. That one yeah. has surfing. Yeah, Casey, did you know that when I was... So I first saw the Gidget movie all three actually but the first one i was 12 or 13 so this is early oh really early 2000s mm-hmm. and i was at a friend's house and we were just hanging out in the evening or whatever and, and my friend Lacey, she's like we should watch gidget and i was like what's gidget <laughs> and she's like you've never seen gidget i mean this is like early... it was some sort of pop cultural staple <laughs> right like this is early to you know early 2000s and this movie is from 1959 <laughs> i'm a 12 year old girl and i had not like obviously i hadn't seen gidget so we watched the first one and then i loved it so much that i wanted to she's like well there's two other ones that are not quite as good and i was like no i want to watch them all yeah. So like we got together other times and watched <laughs> gidget goes to hawaii and gidget goes to rome that's funny. I didn't know you'd seen it that long ago. Because I, I remember when we were first married, mm-hmm. you got them from the library yes. and watched them. Because when I saw it, that was the first time I had seen it since I was Okay. I didn't know that you had seen tween. it before that even. Interesting. Yeah. And so I was so excited to rediscover them. And then you and I watched Gidget the other night. Yes. And I'd seen the first one before. I haven't seen the other ones, but... It still holds up, guys. It's pretty... I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's clearly made in the 60s, like... There's some gender stuff that is there and of course. cringeworthy as any old <laughs> movie will have, but but um, there's a lot of value in it. It's fun and worth the watch, I think. But I was just thinking about this. I think Gidget probably started my love of old movies, Casey. Really? I was 12 and I'm trying, and as I was researching, I was thinking about this. I was like, before I saw Gidget, I was trying to think of old movies I had seen. Yeah. And there really weren't that many that I, like, I can't think of any really not even like it's a wonderful life no i didn't grow up watching that one i didn't see that one till i was not even like in teenager college maureen o'hara Catherine o'hara maureen o'hara what am i thinking my mom liked some old movies like um i had probably seen like the original parent trap Mm. and uh, which has maureen o'hara um but for the majority it wasn't until i was a teenager and i started every time i'd go to the library Mm. i'd go through the movies and find all these old ones any that i could find that was like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers or Maureen O'Hara or, you know, whatever I could find these old movies, especially old musical movies. I love that. And those were the things that I'd watch on a Friday or Saturday night with my mom. So not only did Gidget launch the beach party genre, but it launched your own love of old movies as well. Yeah. That's fantastic. Gidget. She has a place in my heart. She's powerful. (laughs) She does. 
So the book, Gidget, I was really interested to read that it sold over a half a million copies. And it was only two weeks after the book was published that the, uh, what was his name, Frederick Coner, that he sold the rights to uh, Columbia Pictures Mm -hmm. for $50,000. And 5% of that he gave to Kathy. (laughs) (laughs) Which is funny. I was like, 5% isn't very much. But also he is the one who wrote it. But also it's her life story. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. If that's enough, not enough. I don't know. She could buy a nice surfboard. She could buy a nice surfboard. Here's the funny thing about Kathy's story, and then we'll talk more about the actual Gidget movie, is that um, Gidget was the first Hollywood beach like surf movie. Yeah. So this is 1959. Surfing was a, a subculture, but when Gidget premiered in Hollywood, it became... Like, it doubled the mainland's, like, surfing population four yeah. times over. Like, it made surfing the thing to do. Everybody was like, oh, I'm going to go surfing. So, for Kathy, it was only two years later because she was 16. Maybe she was 16 when the movie came out, I think, was the article I was reading. And then, because it said when she was 18, just two years later, she stopped surfing. Because every time she went to the beach, it was so crowded with surfers and surfboards oh. that she didn't feel like there was room and it wasn't very safe anymore there were so many surfboards and it around was her fault i know <laughs> <laughs> not really but. but so yeah and in in part like this became a thing because of her movie and her story yeah and now the beaches were now she couldn't overcrowded <laughs> and i mean she went off to college anyways in oregon i don't think they really surf much in oregon but all right well i've been talking a lot about gidget tell me some things that you like about gidget and then i'll talk some more about gidget I just think she's a funny character. I don't know how to put it. It's like she's innocent, but but not. I don't. I don't know. She's just unique. She's a unique character, and I think it's worth watching to to uh, discover. Do you want to tell us your favorite Gidget fact? I don't have any Gidget facts. Yes, you do. Like, your favorite one. What favorite Gidget fact? I'm really sad you don't remember this now. <laughs> Hold on. I don't have any Gidget facts. What are you talking about, Casey? Who was a, what did they call it? He wasn't the conductor. Who was an orchestrator oh, oh, yeah, yeah. on Gidget? <laughs> John Williams, yes. John <laughs> Williams worked on Gidget. Credited as John Williams Jr. Yes. Yeah, he was an orchestrator. So in his before he became a composer, he did some orchestration work for the you know head composer or whatever. Um, but Gidget was one of the movies. So That would have been like one of his first films, yeah. right? We're going to pretend that Steven Spielberg saw it and saw his name and it was like the orchestration in this movie was top notch. I'm going to put him <laughs> on um, Sugarland Express and then we're going to do Jaws. But there, yes. John Williams did some things in between there, but in, be, <laughs> in between Gidget and, and Spielberg. But but yeah, John Williams, Johnny, as his friends were wont to call him. It's behind the scenes of Gidget. Mm-hmm. But like you were saying about Gidget, I love her. She's bookish. At one point, she's, you know, kind of woe is me, teenager style, trying to figure out life. And she's mm-hmm. looking at her bookshelf, which is really full. And she's like, I used to find all the answers to my problems in these books. But now I can't. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like they're not helping her anymore. She also plays the cello and gets straight A's. And she's a bit of a late bloomer. Like, she's just not interested in the guys. Her friends want to go on man hunts. Yeah. And she just wants to play at the beach you know she's like come on guys let's just have fun still well and all her friends are like wearing 
you know, tight swimsuits and, and bikinis and, and yeah. showing off their curves. And, mm-hmm. and she's, hers is a little bit baggy and she puts on scuba gear and yeah, she wears... swims into the seaweed. <laughs> <laughs> she does not care about the stupid boys who are, yeah. you know, catcalling anyways. She so she's the smart one. Exactly. She doesn't feel the need to put on an, an image of herself to attract them. Yeah. Until she finds one Until special later. boy. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. The message, take it as you will. <laughs> I'll just say that. I think it's like her mom says, though. Her mom tells her, because Gidget asked her mom, well, what's wrong with me? Why aren't I interested in any boys? And her mom's like, there's nothing wrong with you. You just haven't found the right guy yet. Mm, yeah. So I think that's fair. That's good. Not They're... just going with the crowd just because. Right. Yeah, that's a good message. Exactly. I think I also like Gidget because as a 12-year-old girl, I could totally relate to her. I was like, yeah, why can't I just play the... Because that's the same age, 12, 13, where girls start nowadays instead of 16 17 like Gidget it's more like 12 13 where it's like girls start to talk about boys and girls start to try and dress a little older than they actually are and and you try to put on this aura of being far more mature and and experienced than you are and for me I was like why I just want to read a book I just want to play in the sand at the beach like I don't you know (laughs) it's because you hadn't met your moon doggy yet or your big doggy kahuna that's that's some appropriation right there kahuna yes. being being like a wise leader and he's a white a, a old white dad he's not even old you know yeah, late nice 20s 30s. 30s white dude um there's like some backstory about how it was that title was bestowed upon him in hawaii which it mm. turns out is like a false story but you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> but that's the story i'm trying not to be like too negative i think these are just fun movies in a fun silly way like right. they're kind of dumb and i don't mean that in like a disparaging way like i don't know well they are product they're fantasy you know they are products of their era yeah that's it it's a 1960s hollywood film you're gonna get what you get from 1960s hollywood films yeah so yeah you might not find great value in as far as you know i don't know what you'd call it great moral value or anything in the standards we're not gonna get like thematically deep on these or anything we're more just exploring (laughs) broadly the genre they've got funny songs they've got slapstick comedy they've got goofy Mm -hmm. characters i enjoy the genre all right are we moving are we moving on on, casey what's the next part so 1960 saw where the boys are yes a little different it's not california based and it is possibly the cause of spring breakers isn't that interesting yeah closer weekly said uh connie francis who is um, a singer singer actress connie francis so this is a quote connie francis remembers when one of the first beach party movies where the boys are set off a virtual tsunami in the florida town where it was filmed fort lauderdale wasn't prepared at all for what happened when it was released in 1960 75,000 kids inundated the town and were sleeping on the beach connie <laughs> Uh, the National Guard, Coast Guard, and Florida Highway Patrol had to be called in. That's what, yeah, Connie said. <laughs> so Connie said. Um, That's like the first wave of spring breakers heading down to Florida was thanks to Where the Boys Are, 1960, yeah. so just the next year. And that one was interesting because it's a comedic musical, and I haven't seen it. But uh, like you said, as far as creating the spring break idea, mm-hmm. I watched some trailers and like clips of the movie just on YouTube, and it gives me so much claustrophobia that they show literally like hundreds upon hundreds of extras in like mm-hmm. small spaced mm-hmm. areas and i'm like no, you know like they're trying to you know all these college students are here to have fun and yeah. and it just makes me like claustrophobic to see that big of mobs of people in one place i'm like no i don't want to be there 
but that's the impact of pop culture. You know, it started with Gidget and then for a few years it got bigger and bigger that movies were a big part of, like you said, the rise of surfing culture as a as an American pastime for, for kids that were going to the movies. And then they all made a made a break for, for Florida. They started to realize around this time the power that teenage moviegoers had. They started to try and sell more movies to them or, you know, not sell, what's the word, market more mm-hmm. movies to them. So up next, after Where the Boys Are came Beach Party, Casey. Yep. The so title time, to start of, them all. Yeah, because a lot of people will say this is the first one, but not really. Like Gidget, Gidget's a little bit different because... It doesn't follow the exact same formula yeah. as the Beach Party movies. And in terms like the, of the musical aspects, it's not as silly. Beach Party mm-hmm. was, um, yeah, starting to really get that formula and it kind of popularized it even more, the Beach Party genre. So this is the beginning of... Frankie and Annette, Casey. Yep, Frankie Avalon, Annette Funicello, and they were they were together in most of the Beach Party series. There's seven or so movies. People don't always agree because there's a few outliers of like, is this actually part of the series or not? But um, there's about seven of them. But they started with Beach Party in 1963, which we have seen, and it's yes. pretty silly but fun. It features one of my favorite characters, Professor Sutwell. He's this bearded anthropologist. Like a, anthropologist, I would say sociologist. And he's yeah. he's studying the the mating habits of, of teenagers. Yes. <laughs> which sounds kind of creepy, but um, so it's like supposed to be silly. Their and, wild behavior. and Yeah, like tr- yeah. he's thinking of them as um, sort of a, a f- an animal group. Foreign, yeah, mm-hmm. culture that he is trying to experience. And honestly, and I don't... And he has the best beard. Yes, and there's... Clearly fake. The best yeah. part of the movie is all the different names that they have for facial hair throughout. Oh, I'd forgotten about um, that. Give them to me, Casey. I know you have them. I don't. I forgot to look them up, he actually. <laughs> he didn't write them all down. He calls it a feather duster at one point. <laughs> um, I can't remember any others. I do remember that one, feather duster. But the beard comes up a lot, and there's a lot of different names for the facial hair. And everyone knows that I'm a fan of facial hair, so Beach Party's my favorite. Going back real quick, we were talking about how these movies made surfing more popular. Also, there was a rise in bikini sales in America mm. um, directly from because Annette Funicello, she didn't wear a bikini in the first movie, but in subsequent ones, There's she did. There's an interesting story there. was there. like a 300% rise in, in a, a spike in bikini sales from 300%. 3,000%. 3, <laughs> 3,000%. <laughs> 3, <000%. laughs> yep. So bikinis were scandalous, could not be worn. Yep. And then Annette made them popular. Right. But yeah, what, tell us the story about Beach Party and Annette Funicello. So Annette was a mouseketeer and she had a contract with Disney. And it said in her contract that she could work for other films if approved by the Disney Lawyers Corporation, whoever's in charge of that. I don't actually know. So she was allowed to make the movie. But while Disney made the point of saying that she could be in the movie so long as she didn't wear any bikinis. So very interesting. Sure enough, in the first movie, she didn't. So then what happened between the first and second? I think she just didn't have the contract The anymore. contract had worn out at that point? Yeah. Expired? I think so. That's the word for a contract, not worn out. I didn't out. really look super deep into the, the, the history, history of, of the bikini. No. <laughs> but that was really interesting, yeah, that he was in his mind, you know, of the era, family friendly, Walt Disney. She was still under contract with him. Also very interesting that, that's a topic for a whole different time, but the way that studios used to basically own 
actors. Yes. And use them for their films any which way they wanted or not use them as they chose or could trade. It's almost like, a, you know, a sports. You could yeah. like trade them to other studios. They were under contract that was different than contracts today, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not like you sign on for a movie. You signed on with a studio. Right. Which is just And that broke down in the 70s and things became a little more independent, but... That studio system was definitely still in place at this point. So the, the studios had some power over, over the bikini wearing <laughs> and other things too. But I wanted to say before, because as I said, this is a whole series. And uh, there's a really good article in uh, Bright Lights Film Journal written by Gary Morris uh, talking about the history of, of the Beach Party movies. And I want to read a little bit what, about what he says about um, this series in particular as a whole. Uh, and we've we've touched on it before, but he says, the films exist in an insular world untroubled by the Cold War or fear of nuclear holocaust, collapsing race relations, exploding criminality and drug use, the sexual revolution and the emerging Vietnam War. They show teenagers as wistful, comic, conformist creatures, sexless and predictable, ultimately willing to carry on the traditions of consumer capitalism that they, as voracious consumers themselves, clearly benefit from. Later it says, just as 1950s science fiction with their gross mutations of humans and animals tried to submerge nuclear nuclear fears into fantasies that could be forgotten when the audience left the theater, so the beach films presented a detailed but vastly different tableau of the culture than what one could see in the dark, deteriorating major cities of 1950s America. The beach was America's dream backyard, predictable, serene, and white. So yeah, like we said, it is, these are fantasy movies, not intended to shine any sort of light on social issues or news of the day, but to um, yeah, They're not an actual depiction of what is going on yeah. on the beaches right. in the 1960s. Obviously, yeah. I mean, I don't, I've been to a few beaches. I didn't see continual partying of right. teenagers with big bands set up by a beach shack. Have you, Casey? No. Well, and that's why I wonder if they didn't, um, why this genre didn't last super long because people get tired of that same old thing after a while. You know, this came out This came out at the perfect time when people wanted that escape, which is fine, but you can't really sustain that for a long, a long period of time. Eventually, and, people want something of substance. Yeah, and the teenagers... I think started out really liking the like these movies did well um clearly because of the rise of surfing culture um but at some point they sort of fall out of favor but before we get to that part let's let's talk a little bit about some of the others in the series so there was one studio called american international pictures or aip and they're the ones who made beach party yes and then and the rest of the and the subsequent ones Mm -hmm. so like you said there's the main seven but they're they made 12 beach pictures Mm. in four years so yeah, as soon wild. as that first one came out they were just like pumping Pump them yeah. out yeah <laughs> <laughs> and they had a very specific formula geared toward teenage audiences like there was and it's like we talked about at the beginning you know the things that set up a movie or a beach party movie there's a beach a group of teens or college-age kids no parents meaning that there's freedom from moral lessons and like the movie itself is teaching they're not teaching any moral lessons in these um there's you know groovy music cameos by big name actors and big musicians and occasionally big musicians. or musicians they thought could be get big after the movie yeah. too and they ignore the big issues of the era like that's their basic formula and usually the two main characters were in love yeah frankie Something, and Annette are very you know will they won't they or yeah. on and off Something might happen throughout the movie to like add a little bit of drama, but it's mm-hmm. never that serious. And then by the end, of course, they are back together, love each other again. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
You want to talk about a few of the cameos, Casey? Sure. So the second one, Muscle Beach Party, that was 1964. Maybe we should read the titles. Oh my goodness. They're all so funny. So 1964 was Muscle Beach Party and that had the debut of Stevie Wonder. Um, his then, debut? I didn't know it was his debut. Then there was Bikini Beach and then Pajama Party. That one did not have Frankie. That one had Tommy Kirk. Interesting. And Tommy Kirk was in like four different beach party movies as well. He was a Disney actor as well prior okay. to these. So you've talked a little oh, right. about Tommy, Tommy Kirk. Tommy Kirk is mm-hmm. the one who... Like he's in um, Swiss Family Robinson. Swiss Family Robinson. Mm-hmm. He's the and middle he's brother. And he's in mm-hmm. the shaggiest dog. Yeah. And those. Yeah. The brother. Tommy Kirk. Okay. And we've seen one of his beach ones. You and I have seen Catalina Caper, which has a little bit of a heist thing to it. And they're trying to solve some oh, yeah. crime where a Chinese scroll gets taken. And a, <laughs> there's just a lot of dancing on yachts in that one. <laughs> Um, and that's the thing about these movies. A lot of it is just an excuse to show a lot of dancing and music and, um, yeah, the, the plots are usually pretty thin, but so then there's 1965 was, it makes me think of the, um, it's just an excuse to show a lot of teenagers, you know, wiggling. Mm -hmm. It made me think of, um, what's her name on, on the Parks and Rec show where she's talking about the Twilight series. The one who's like a very conservative (laughs) Marsha Langman. And she's like, there's really just a lot of quivering. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) In these movies, there's a lot of quivering. Maybe a little bit more than quivering. It's more like Because these dancing. movies, not to get a, to jump ahead a second, then You're we'll good. go back to the cameos, but the advertisements for these movies were full of like innuendos that never actually came across in the movies. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, Beach Party Teased. It's what happens when 10,000 kids meet on 5,000 beach blankets. <laughs> and then they're like, muscle beach party promised. When 10,000 biceps go around 5,000 bikinis, you know what's going to happen. <laughs> like these. But then on film, the Nothing worst you really ever happens. see is like two characters that go behind a bush or behind a surfboard yeah. or whatever. Like, you, you know, there's really nothing because I mean, it's a 1960s film. But there's even one. I don't remember which one it was, but one of the. Um, studios trying to capitalize off the beach party series that like in their posters and maybe even the title and the tagline there was a lot of like beach related terminology and visuals but then the movie barely had anything on the beach so oh interesting (laughs) um so the cameos well so uh, beach blanket bingo that was 1965 which many agree is the best one so there's parachuting and skydiving involved in that one and that's the one that's with buster keaton so buster keaton's in that one don rickles is in it there's a character in love with a mermaid in that one too <laughs> there's occasionally in these like some random <laughs> fantasy thing yeah uh anything beach related ghost like the last one ghost in the invisible bikini that's my favorite title i need to right. watch it just for the title like the idea that the movie ghost in the invisible bikini exists yeah there's like a, a guardian angel ghost but she's in a bikini that one has boris karloff I don't think he's the ghost in the bikini. Mm, If only. um, And then in between that one, so back to 1965, there's How to Stuff a Wild Bikini, which is the craziest title. (laughs) Um, Apparently Annette Funicello was pregnant during that one. Interesting. So they had to hide it that she was pregnant. Yeah. So she wasn't wearing a bikini or she was wearing a bikini, but behind a surfboard at all times or. (laughs) I believe she was not wearing a bikini in that one. But as I said, I didn't look that deeply into the bikini thing. There was one that wasn't produced. It was a science fiction one. Hmm. The girl in the glass bikini. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. Yep. That's a that's but a title. It probably wasn't produced because by the time of Ghost in the Invisible Bikini, the the genre had played out, played itself out. So, like we said, AIP is the ones who started Beach Party, and they had all of those. But every studio jumped onto the Teen Beach movie trend, and so Hollywood put out over thirty movies 
beach movies within five years. Beach movies in general or like beach party like movies? Beach party like involved teenager movies. Gotcha. And obviously a ton were flops and some weren't as... Mm-hmm. AIP was the one who was putting out like big budget ones with well, lots of color. Time. And a yeah. lot of people were putting out really quick ones that were still black and white, smaller scale yep. Yeah, movies. like 20th Century Fox was really rushing them. Um, yeah, the first the first ripoff was their Surf Party in 1964. Then did you read about the horror of Party Beach? No. 1964. Tell me about it. There's like some radioactive waste that uh, like crashes on a boat or something and then like gets on a skeleton that's in a crashed pirate ship or something, you know? Naturally. But it doesn't. It create the skeleton turns into like a monster that terrorizes. <laughs> it's like terrorizing the beach partiers. Um, it sounds like something Mystery Science Theater would do, and they did. I want to watch that one. Yeah, I love Mystery Science Theater. Twentieth um, Century Fox. Do our listeners know what Mystery Science Theater is? Because I didn't know what it was until you and I started dating. Mystery Married. Science Theater three thousand is the wonderful series in which a, a human character and two robots sit and make fun of cheesy old movies. Yep. So it's fantastic. They always pick uh, the worst old movies. <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. 20th Century Fox also put out Wild on the Beach, which was the film debut of Sonny and Cher. Really? Yeah. Film debut. So they had already been... I think they had already been... They were already music. Musically in the culture, yeah. Okay. Um, in 1964, there was For Those Who Think Young, which had Bob Denver. So a lot of these have these music, musical cameos. The Beach Boys, as far as I know, were only in one beach party movie, mm. which was The Girls on the Beach in 1965. So that was another one that was a different studio, a different studio capitalizing on the beach party trend. And Elvis was in some beach movies. I didn't know that. Girl Happy. He's in love with a girl named Valerie. Just so you know. I love that. Yeah. Everybody should be in love with a girl named Valerie. I am. Cute. (laughs) Yay. All right. Any, any more that you want to talk about before I make a jump that is important an important jump to make? No, that's it. The genre kind of fizzles out. Casey, what happens next? So yeah, that same article I mentioned, Bright Lights Film Journal, says, By 1965, the social phenomena of race riots, the Vietnam War, and widespread use of drugs would do what the land developers and advertising men could not, um, meaning in these beach party movies, crush the fragile world of the beach and its temporary inhabitants. These events were so real that the beach party couldn't and didn't survive them. So by that time, so much was happening in the world that people couldn't really escape anymore i think people weren't really looking for that escape from real life but that they wanted um their movies to reflect all the stuff that was happening or had just recently happened in vietnam which is why i want to talk about jaws now jaws is not a beach party movie <laughs> it's <laughs> it like take the place opposite. on a beach though yes. it's not definitely exactly not a party a beach party movie but i think it's valuable to look at jaws as not directly but in a way, as a reaction to beach party movies um, and, as, and as a product of the 70s in the same way that those beach party movies were a product of the 60s. And Jaws is often credited as like the first blockbuster, which isn't exactly true. Um, blockbuster is like as a word, the etymology of that is a, a type of bomb used in World War II. Hmm. Um, so they'd use that term for movies occasionally here and there, meaning like a movie that they expected to do well. But Jaws was definitely the first like summer blockbuster. Before that, the big movies that did really well, there was really no rhyme or reason to when they were released. And a lot of them were in winter and spring time. And then also with Star Wars two years later, also released in May and also a huge blockbuster. That's it was like the one two punch of Jaws and Star Wars that people were like, okay, summer is blockbuster season. 
and then now i mean we can see the effects of that now the fact that summer blockbuster is a is a thing except for this summer yes true The year 2020 is the year that the summer blockbuster died. Right. Um, there's a really good um, article in Variety. Tim Gray, he wrote it. It's called How Steven Spielberg's Movie Created the Summer Blockbuster, speaking of, of Jaws. But I think it's interesting that when people talk about Jaws as being the first summer blockbuster, they usually talk about why that is in terms of the marketing. So the reason Jaws did so well is because they spent a lot of money on TV advertising, which hadn't really happened that much before that. Oh, interesting. Like previews and things on yeah. TV? Yeah, so like trailers on TV. I thought whatnot. about that. Um, they'd done it occasionally before that, but they spent a ton of money on TV advertising, which no movie had spent that much before. Um, plus, on top of that being a wider release, um, going to more theaters. So that was a, a perfect storm to make it like the the a bit such a big deal. And they also did a lot of product tie-ins like cups and could you get white shark toys probably <laughs> although toys were did you push the toy and it said because <laughs> i would buy that shark movie tie-in toys weren't a thing till star wars they weren't much of a thing yeah they did a little bit with tv like lone ranger and stuff like that in the 40s and 50s maybe but but at least some some merchandise there was some jaws merchandise but i think nobody really talks about what was happening in 70s culture as well i'm i shouldn't say that i'm sure people do but jaws came when jaws came out vietnam had just ended two months right before that and i wanted to read something from a writer tim drakes he does he does a great overview of all the films in the 70s and he says restrictions on language adult content and sexuality and violence had loosened up and these elements became more widespread the hippie movement, the civil rights movement, movement, free love, the growth of rock and roll, changing gender roles and drug use certainly had an impact. And Hollywood was, in, was renewed and reborn with the earlier collapse of the studio system and the works of many new and experimental filmmakers. So I think this makes sense in the context of the now out of favor Beach Party movies, which were made in that studio system and were likely more about what studio executives thought teenagers wanted, um, which was just like more of the same. It's We talked about it like it's very wholesome um it's a fantasy like beach party movie but when the studios fell you know they weren't going to keep making those beach party movies because they had all these young and upcoming more experimental filmmakers that wanted to like reflect the time rather than be out of the times like these old studio heads were you know because the, the rising generations are always going to shake things up yeah and so they were often called the movie brats so this was a generation of like Steven Spielberg and George Lucas Francis Ford Coppola all these fairly younger guys um, in film school or just barely out of film school. And they were a little bit closer to those what those teenagers and young people wanted to see, you know, versus those studio heads. When the Beach Party movies came out, you know, those, those post-World War II years are often defined as like very excessive, like a lot of excess, especially with the middle class. Um, and 70s films were kind of a reaction against that. So I think in that way, Jaws was, you know, Jaws as a horror beach film is like the perfect antithesis to the excessive beach party films of the previous decade. You know, if the beach party movies ignored the truth in an escapist, fantastical way, you know, while Vietnam War was going on, people were ready in 1975 to look deeper and stop ignoring those social issues. This might seem like a lot to put on a movie that seems like it's just a movie about a shark terrorizing a small town, but a lot of people have said that on the deeper level, Jaws is a critique of the Richard Nixon era, which I could totally see if you think about like the mayor who... Who's the worst? Who is the worst. And we know, he knows that it's dangerous, 
and he opens the beaches anyway, right? Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like the, you know, like we watched, um, what's called The Post? Yes. Is that what it's called? Maybe. It was Spielberg's movie. I remember movie what you were talking even, about, yeah. Um, with, with Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. Um, and the release anyways, of the tapes. Yeah. The thing about, yeah, about Vietnam was that the they found out that the government knew that Vietnam was futile, that being in the Vietnam War was futile, but they were so worried about saving face that they just stayed in it. And like, that's, that's the mayor. That's, that's who the mayor is in Jaws. Exactly. Um, I was saying, does that sound familiar as in like coronavirus oh, right now? As now? Yes. It does. <laughs> History repeats itself. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's very interesting to me that people will often call Jaws and Star Wars purely spectacle movies, but both of them could be seen as critiques of Vietnam. Um, George Lucas was much more open about it. Like he has said that Star Wars is inspired by Vietnam. Like it's about an empire. The United States is the empire in Star Wars against this ragtag group of people who feel like their rights are infringed upon. So anyways, that's a long winded way of trying to connect Jaws to the beach party movies. But (laughs) (laughs) No, that's part of its history because they served a purpose for a small amount of time for escapism, for pure fun mm-hmm. happy-go-lucky time and then the culture shifts and what we expect from our media shifts as well yeah what i'm really trying to say is that jaws killed the beach party movies the white shark ate them <laughs> yes yes no that was there's probably too much time between them but um really i just wanted to talk about jaws because i love jaws <laughs> because we were talking about the idea of beach movies and you're like jaws <laughs> jaws is your favorite beach movie right no, but I do. I really do think it's interesting how like the beach party movies are like a perfect example of what people wanted for the time um, and what people were clamoring for until they weren't anymore. And and then the 70s came and Jaws came. I agree. It's fascinating. A shift. Yeah. But I also think it's interesting about like that summer blockbusters weren't really a thing. And even even during the beach party movies, those came out in the summer, but... None of them were like so huge that they made the summer movie season a thing. It wasn't until later that that even happened um, in the the perfect storm that was Jaws. I don't know why that was. I don't either. Maybe it's just because of the money. I don't. I don't know. Did you know the beach party movies were often shot in like winter or spring, and so the water was really cold. Those poor actors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the actors probably weren't in the water much. Those poor stunt doubles on the surfboards. <laughs> yep. Which in Gidget, I didn't mention this, but the surfer who played Gidget in like the long shots, mm-hmm. they put him in a bikini and a blonde wig because there were there weren't very many female surfers to draw from. So it's funny that they had a male stunt double for those shots. That's my favorite shot in all of Gidget is when Big Kahuna is out surfing mm-hmm. with his straw hat and his cigar <laughs> in. So casual. So casual about it. Not even a thing. Oh, 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 I forgot to say um, another important point I had about Jaws being the antithesis of beach party movies is we talked about how the beach party movies saw a rise in beach attendance like crazy, like you were talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I was mentioning about the spring break thing. After Jaws, beach attendance went way down. Um, (laughs) Nothing kills beach tourism like shark attacks. So it it might not have killed beach party movies. But it did kill beach attendants for a while. And shark sightings went way up. A lot of... Like actual shark sightings or like 
people being paranoid I think saying being paranoid, shark. But there were a lot more people like fishing for sharks in an unauthorized way and killing sharks. So there's uh, a lot more unauthorized shark killings. Um, lots of sad effects in the movie. Lo- yeah, there's a lot of bad things that have happened because of Jaws, like um, just the negative stereotypes about sharks. And yes. even Peter Benchley, who wrote the Jaws novel, has said, like, if I knew all this bad stuff that had happened, I would not have written the book. Because yeah, a you lot don't of, expect people to take your thoughts so seriously. Like, yeah. come on, guys, it's a story. Right. It's a sci-fi, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. It is not... Or a fantasy, at least. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's not like it was the first. There were plenty of these creature features, they would call them, these monster-type movies. Yes. Nobody's um, worried about a 10-foot ant coming to destroy your home. Right. I guess the or shark... Or the spiders. Arachnophobia. I guess because Spielberg Arach- made it. movie? Which one? Arachnophobia. Arachnophobia came out later. Anyways. But there was that one with... Uh, um, William Shatner, the giant tarantulas. Yes. That. Um, no, but I think maybe it's because Spielberg made it so real and realistic and so good. Like, it's so much better than any of the creature movies that came before yeah, it. It feels more real. Yes. That, that's why. But yeah, a lot of conservationists and animal rights people kind of hate Jaws um, just because of all the negative stereotypes that it um, created and increased. So that is unfortunate. It's a great movie, but... Um, it's it's not real. It's not real, people. <laughs> it's a movie. Sharks aren't like that. <laughs> like we said, I've also never been to a beach where there's hordes of teenagers at a beach shack with the band going. So. And you've never been eaten by a shark I've never while been eaten night by a swimming. Shark. I don't go night swimming in the ocean, probably, probably because, because of Jaws. Jaws yeah. That's the thing. Like, <laughs> Jaws makes you scared of the ocean. That's why beach attendance was so down. It makes me scared of the ocean. I've... Always enjoyed the ocean right at the beach, man. I've never. That's been where there. the little kid gets eaten. There's no way a shark could actually get up that far. Certain things from the movie, it's like, okay, I see that not happening. Mm-hmm. You know, if the water is only waist high, the shark's not going to that yeah. shallow. Oh gosh, I love that movie. It's so good. <laughs> so good. All right. Um, that little kid doesn't die, does he? Doesn't he just go to the hospital? Oh no, he dies. Because remember, his mom like slaps. The mayor. Chief Brody. Oh, no, the Chief Brody. She's like, you could have stopped this. That's right. I do remember that moment. It wasn't even his fault. It's the stupid mayor's fault. Go slap the mayor. (laughs) Chief Brody is a gem. (laughs) Chief Brody. Chief Brody. Little podcast throwback for you. (laughs) If you've been around for a while, you might recognize the Chief Brody. That was in our Fathers of Steven Spielberg episode. Go check it out. Was that just last year? Did we do that for Father's Day? I don't know if that was... I think it was around then. Maybe. It's it's most likely. That sounds like us. I just... Does sound like us. All right. Post-1975, what happens to the beach party genre? Post-Jaws, after he's destroyed the beaches, what happens? A bit of nostalgia, Casey. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, hey, those, those were pretty fun. Good times of my youth. Yeah. And so there was a revival of Frankie and Annette in the movie, Back to the Beach. You make it sound like a genre revival, but it was no. just one movie. There was one movie... <laughs> A revival of Frankie and Annette. Uh, Frankie and Annette. Well, it's interesting. There was supposed to be a second one, like a Frankie and Annette on a safari. Back to the beach. No. Oh. Well, like a a, a second Frankie and Annette movie as, with them as their older selves. Oh, okay. A married mid middle aged couple selves. Well, that was another reason why the movie started not do as well because people love Frankie and Annette, but they were in their twenties when like the first one happened, and yes. so they were starting to look. Old. They don't look like teenagers anymore. Yeah. It happens to all of us. Yeah. <laughs> we start to get a few gray hairs, a few wrinkles. It's like how people talk about Daniel Radcliffe and his beard by yes. the end of Harry Potter. 
exactly. it, it's not really a beard but <laughs> so it could have been a revival maybe not of beach movies but of frankie and annette but uh, annette funicello was uh, diagnosed with ms oh, and I so she started having symptoms of it during this movie actually during Back to the Beach? During Back in to the Beach in oh. 1987. And so she wasn't able to go on and make any more movies, and that's how she died a few years later. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know yeah. that she died. Is, uh, I think Frankie, Frankie Avalon. Still alive? I think he's still alive. I didn't look that up. What month? Oh, August 7th. That's like a month before I was born that Back to the Beach mm. came out. Feel some kinship there. Better go watch it. So that Frankie and Annette Back to the Beach kind of reprises their earlier roles um, except that they were ne- they're now middle-aged parents of of teenage kids and and they have like an angsty son apparently who is you know tired of them and their their strict ways which is funny because we know that they were like <laughs> beach partiers in their youth which he doesn't believe right yeah probably not i haven't seen it and they're not living in california anymore they're in some midwest city or something but they get they were on a flight to hawaii and they were stopped in california to see their daughter who was there and they realized that she's hanging out with a bunch of beach bum surfer types mm-hmm and then it turns out that all of their old pals, Frankie and Nett's pals, kind of uh, find their way to them. Like, they all get kind of reunited. And so they're kind of back on their old turf. Like, even... Uh, the- I think Frankie, if I remember the summary right, Frankie has to, like, defend his title as, like, King of the Beach type champion surfer idea. Does even that one biker guy, Eric Von, whatever, show up? I don't know. <laughs> it's worth a Google. Okay, Val, and then jump ahead to 1999... Your favorite movie. It is one of my favorite movies. Top 10. It's probably in my top 10. That Thing You Do, which is a movie set in, like you said, 1999 is when it came out, but set in the 1960s. And they're Midwest band, so they do all the fairs and things, but eventually they make it out to Hollywood and they get to have a their band. They get to be one of those the Beach Wonders. Boy ripoff bands in the, yep. in the background of a beach party movie. And I'm pretty sure it's even supposed to be, it's definitely like a ripoff of like a Frankie and Annette set. I think they're even in, they run they, by, or is it just the lookalikes that run by? That's I, think what it's I don't know if they say specifically Frankie and Annette or if they just look like Frankie and Annette. I guess if Annette. it's set in the 60s, they wouldn't have had gotten the real. Yeah. But so yeah, they're Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters <laughs> is the name of their band. Well, I, th- I think and their Steve bonus, Zahn gives them that moniker. Yes, he names the, them. Because everybody needs the name. The great Steve Zahn. Oh, I love Steve Zahn. <laughs> Tune into our other podcast, From A to Zahn. <laughs> we still need to start that podcast. Yes. And uh, good old Tom Hanks tell the kids, or tell the band, good news, you get to keep your wardrobe. And they're in these like sailor, <laughs> sailor costumes. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good movie. It's so good. So yeah, just a brief scene, but it's... Uh, Definitely parodying the original Beach Party yeah. movies. And but then, then there's not anything else until all the way to 2013. What happens then? A glorious Disney Channel original movie, a decom, if you will, called Teen Beach Movie. So Teen Beach Movie, like I said, came out in 2013, and then there was a Teen Beach Movie 2 in 2015. So we'll kind of talk about the two of them together. But Teen Beach Movie, the first one is set in obviously modern day but there's this movie that one of the main characters loves called wet side story <laughs> so good which is obviously you know a parody of west side story but it's like surfers versus bikers mm-hmm. which again plays right back into the frankie and annette story the creators of teen beach movie have clearly seen all of the beach party movies from yes. the 60s 
Because it has pretty much all of the qualifiers for a Teen Beach yeah. movie that we mentioned earlier. They're all there. So in the story, they accidentally get sucked back, pulled back. They end up in the movie. Some mystical, unexplained soft magic there. Yep. And so of a storm. A storm and a magical surfboard. Yeah. Something, something. like that. You know. <laughs> Some connection. But because it has modern characters that go to the past, I love that Mac, one of the main characters from the future, or in the fr- present, in the, in the present. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that she's telling the girls in the movie that, and therefore the girls in the audience, that they can be and do anything that they want to do. It's really fun the way they play on past stereotypes, yeah. especially gender stereotypes, uh, versus in the modern day and how they have differed and changed throughout the years. It's campy, but it both like celebrates and teases the original Beach Party movies. And yet it has more depth than most of them. Like, I'm not kidding, guys. Teen Beach movie is a fantastic movie. I enjoyed it. Yeah. For sure. I mean, is it cheesy? Yes. I love cheesy movies. I so. love cheesy <laughs> movies. <laughs> There's really great music, especially in the first one. I like the music in the first one more than the second. Yeah. Um, but I really like the storyline of the second one. Yeah. Again, some great girl power storyline there. And some awesome meta. I love anytime there's meta humor, self-referential stuff. So exactly. That's fun. <laughs> Speaking of meta humor, there's a line in the second movie when Mac tells Layla and Tanner who end up in modern day in the second movie. So it's like swapping Spoilers. of roles. I know. I don't think it's this. <laughs> no, it's fine. But of all the movies, of all the beach movies we've talked about, these are the easiest to find. They're right there, and right there on Disney right. Plus. Yep. But anyways, when they're in the modern day, uh, Mac is telling them that they can't sing. Like, they're going off to high school with them. She's like, you cannot break into song. Don't do it. People think you're weird, essentially. And Layla says, not even if it's from the heart and moves the story along. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's clearly playing on the idea of these old movies that just had random songs that you break into. And (laughs) and so it's definitely very meta and, and breaking that fourth wall. They have Big Mama's which is their shack, their restaurant that the bikers and the surfers are kind of fighting over turf war style. Just sharks and jets, man. And did you know, Casey, that Team Beach movie, the first one, had 13.5 million viewers, making it the number two most watched movie in cable TV history. Really? Yeah. Holy cow, what's number one? High School Musical 2. That makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which we don't get a lot of released to tv movies other than like hallmark yeah and disney, disney channel, channel. Yeah. they those two pretty much have like the corner on that market yeah especially nowadays some uh abc family they would always do some you know rom-coms movies just straight to tv yeah. in the 90s i remember abc proper doing that sometimes too yes but yeah with the rise of streaming services it doesn't happen very often anymore but yeah that's it that's insane. And in fact, the top six spots are all Disney Channel movies. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> I like these more than High School Musical. I agree. I would recommend Teen Beach movies one and two over High School Musical. Not over High School Musical, the musical, the series, though. No, that <laughs> one's... I like that one better. Yeah, if we're ranking. If we're ranking. <laughs> but no shame if you love any of them or hate all of them. Yeah. Oh, I have nothing <laughs> against High School Musical movies, just... I'd rather watch Teen Beach movie. I'd rather watch Teen mm-hmm. Beach movie. I- really well done and you see all these young teenage actors and think gosh they're just way too talented how is that fair right <laughs> all right Valerie, are you ready to play a game yes i'm so excited for this okay like, i'm I've nervous enjoyed this i'm episode. not sure that i did this right i've enjoyed this episode up to this point 
but I've been so eager to get to this point of the episode as well. You so, had this fantastic idea where we each make a Mad Lib for the other person. Yeah, so these Mad Libs are a beach party movie synopsis that we have made Created. up. But mm-hmm. we're going to fill in with our with the details. So Who's going first? You you go first, I go first. Uh, you ask me. You ask me yours. Okay. All righty, Casey. Mm-hmm. I need something that you'd find at the beach. Um, a broken glass bottle. Okay, and I need a number. 42. The answer to the universe. All right, an adjective. Gooey. All right, a city. Montpelier. <laughs> okay, I don't think that's a place I've ever been to. It's in Vermont. Nope, haven't been there. Isn't it? Or oh, yeah, because that's uh, the place where what's-his-name lived, huh? Who? Thomas Jefferson's? No, I'm thinking of Monticello. Never mind. Oh, well, there's a Montpelier in Idaho. Maybe I've been to that one. <laughs> okay, I need an activity. Roller skating. Does that does that work? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Do Mad Libs ever work? That's a real question. A noun. Ice cream shop. An adjective. Uh, moist. Everyone's favorite word. I don't mind the word, but people your hate favorite it. word is curd. No, I hate the word curd. Curd. It's my least favorite word. Moist. Okay. I need a collective noun. Um, give me an example. Like like more than one? Yeah, just like a, um, another word for like a group. Okay. Uh, can't think of anything. <laughs> That's the hard part about Mad Libs is my mind goes blank sometimes. Um, handful. No, it can't be handful. That won't make sense. Okay. Give me, some, give me an example of what you're looking for. Like a, another word for group. A collection. Okay. Does that work? Sure. Close enough. I just didn't want to use that because it's a collective noun. Yes. See, I need a term of distress. Like, a, like um. I don't know, like a term of distress. Yeah, the like, um, like like an, like ending in ed, like pained, or or do you mean like? Yeah, like sadness or something along those lines. Okay. Uh. Um. Dejected or dejection. Okay. Dejection. I'll go with that. <laughs> All right. A color. Um. Puce. Everyone's favorite color. A fruit. Kumquat. Yep. Okay, a name for a female dog. What? That's a swear word. <laughs> no, like if you were to, no, if you were to name a female to get me to dog. Swear on air. <laughs> no, if you were to name a female dog, what would you name her? A name for a female dog. Um, <laughs> not, not. It wasn't a stretch that my mind went no, there. It's not. Uh, but it's just funny because my mind didn't think that so at all. If I had a. If you a, had a female, a female dog, dog, what would you name her? I would name her. Um. Really? This is the one that's gonna stump you. <laughs> I don't know. Uh grandma grandma fluffy <laughs> okay and name a spice <laughs> spice uh spice um cinnamon i knew you'd go for that one because you what? don't know many spices <laughs> no i had i had another one on the tip of my brain but i didn't want to try to think of it too long okay a season seasoning that's the same thing no. as a spice like a season <laughs> winter spring autumn. summer or fall autumn okay that wasn't on my song but sure <laughs> A place where you watch a movie. In an 80s wood panel basement. <laughs> okay, very specific. I just don't want to say like a movie theater. That's boring. I, I knew you wouldn't. Name an animal. Mongoose. How's a mongoose not a bird? I don't get it. It's <laughs> a good question that I've literally never thought about. Are you kidding me? When I was a kid, I always thought a mongoose was a bird. It like, makes I sense it now, fur. but... <laughs> okay, and a city. Name a city. Uh, a major city. A major city? Yeah. Okay, Cincinnati. Okay. Go back to Cincinnati! If you name that movie, you win a high five. Go back to Cincinnati! (laughs) 
Isn't it a baseball movie? Yeah, I feel like a it's a movie. baseball yep. movie. Yep, it is a baseball movie. All right, I'm not giving you any other hints. I'm pretty Got sure. Back to <laughs> Should I say it? I'm pretty sure I know. Or should we leave it for the leave it for the audience? No, you you say it. I'll believe people if they tell me if they got it before you said it. Okay. So if you want to think about it for a second, pause the podcast now because Valerie's about to say. Angels in the outfield. Angels in the outfield. Yep. I would have never quoted that, but when you said it like that, I can picture that man. It's the fan yelling at, at, uh, not Donald Glover, but. uh, um, Who is it that he's yelling at? The other Glover that's not related to Donald Glover, the coach. Coach Knox is his name in Mm -hmm. the movie, but his real name is. Danny Glover. Thank you, Danny Glover. Yes. All right, Casey, you ready for your Mad Libs? So ready. Okay, the title of the movie is Broken Glass Bottle Party of 42. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds horrifying. Okay. One gooey summer when the teens of Montpelier gathered at their favorite beach to go roller skating, they found it littered with ice cream shops. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds amazing. Okay. These moist teens <laughs> formed a collection to reclaim their beach, but found that there was more dejection brewing when the waves turned puce and the, <laughs> and the fish started to taste like kumquats. Can Grandma Fluffy, Cinnamon, and the other teens save their beach? Find out this autumn in an 80s wood panel basement near you. <laughs> The Waves Turned Puce. Directed by Jane Mongoose, music by Cincinnati Horowitz. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna write a poem. <laughs> the waves turned puce. Okay. I'm ready. Adjective. Lovely. A nautical term. Ahoy. Does that work? No, sorry, I like a nautical object. Oh, nautical object. The anchor? Okay. Date with year. June sixth. Mm-hmm. 1973. Okay. A real place? Paris. Paris, Idaho. Okay. <laughs> a water-based vehicle? A, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, I should know more water-based vehicles. Does that, does it need a motor? N- no. Well, let's go yacht. A yacht? Okay. Yes. A type of, ocu- an occupation? Artist. Artist. Okay. What kind of artist? A sculpturer. Okay. Sculptor? <laughs> yep, that's the one. Um, make up a character name. Just the first name, first and last, whatever. Jean. Jean? Uh, yep. We're going French How do you here. spell that? Is it spelled like Zahn? No, it's spelled J-E-A-N. Like, oh, right, right, right. Like right, right. Jean Valjean? Yeah, yeah. I knew that. Yeah. Uh, but Jean. Jean Johnson. Jean. <laughs> yep, that's the one. Jean, Jean Johnson. Jean. No, no, two very different J sounds. Jean Johnson. <laughs> okay, so uh, Jean Johnson, yeah. <laughs> like J E N, J E N S E N, Jean Johnson, <laughs> or Jean Johnson. That one, yes, Jean Johnson. <laughs> okay, I was really hoping it was Jean Johnson. No, no, you got a very French and the very American there. Okay. Yeah. Actor, any any gender. Um, Alison Brie. Alison Brie? Mm-hmm. Why are you thinking about Alison Brie? No idea. She just popped into from my community? mind. Community? Yep, from Community. That is random. Yep. Okay, make up another character name. <laughs> another one. See, this is why I gave you, like, name a female dog or name a spice. So that those could be my character names, That's but they'd be, idea. like, weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, name another character. Uh, Cardamon 
Cardamom, like the spice? Yep. Or cardamom? Cardamom. Cardamom? Yeah. Cardamom, okay. Just cardamom, or does this cardamom have a last name? No, just cardamom. Cardamom. Actor, any gender, again? Um, JGL. Joseph Gordon Johnson. I mean, love it. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Type of exercise? Yoga. Yoga, okay. A health-related occupation? Physical therapist. A mythical creature. Mm, I was gonna say narwhal. They're totally real, <laughs> Casey. <laughs> that would that can still work. Do you want to go with narwhal? narwhal. <laughs> okay, narwhal. Um, an item on someone's bucket list. Skydiving. Oh, this is gonna be good. An authority figure. Mayor. Mayor. Okay, great. Um, a mild form of torture. <laughs> so we're not waterboarding here. No, we are, mild. Uh, uh, what's the spitball shooting through? Oh. Through a straw. Something you would ask someone else to do for you. Get me a drink of water. Okay. A famous person. Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa. Okay. Another famous person. Harriet Tubman. That's okay. (laughs) A number. 13. Body part. Ears. Ears. Okay. A superlative. Remind me what a superlative is. So best, worst, greatest, Mm. craziest, silliest. What about horrendousest? Most horrendous. Most horrendous. Horrific. Yes. A number? One. A length of time? Three hours. Not like the number, but just oh. the... Just the just hour? A, a, ti- a measurement of time, yes. Hour? Hour, okay. Mm-hmm. So, the title, The Lovely Anchor. On the night of June 6th, 1974, off the coast of Paris, Idaho, a yacht full of sculptors crashes. Only one sculptor survives. Jean Johnson, played by Alison Brie, <laughs> somehow makes it to the beach. Early the next morning, our main character, Cardamom, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, is out for a morning yoga and sees the survivor in the sand. Cardamom takes Jean to the physical therapist's office to nurse them back to health. The staff tell Cardamom the curious news. Jean is actually a narwhal in the form of a human. Whoa, what a twist. Spoilers, yours is giving too much away of the story. Cardamom takes Jean home and learns that Jean came to Paris, Idaho to go skydiving. But it turns out Mm. that the physical therapist's office called the mayor, who will stop at nothing to capture Jean and spitball straw shoot them until they get them a drink of water. (laughs) What will happen? Tune in to find out. Directed by Mona Lisa. The lovely anchor is available to stream now. Harriet Tubman gave it 13 ears up, calling it the most horrendous film she's seen in one hour. (laughs) <laughs> some review by harriet tubman at the end there yep that was delightful that was fun that was fun there jean sure thing cardamom jean the narwhal grandma fluffy <laughs> the waves were puce <laughs> the waves turned puce that's what waves turned the waves puce. the waves turned puce yep that's exactly what happened on that beach in montpelier on that note Pellier? casey do you have a media recommendation for this episode i have two is that okay I'll allow it. One's like a documentary and one is a film. So go. The first film is you and I just watched Selma, which it took us way too long to watch Selma. So good. Directed by Ava DuVernay. It's not easy to watch, but I think it's totally important to watch. Very poignant story. Um, And feels so relevant. And it feels I had two prevailing thoughts as I was watching it was a I feel like public education really fails in terms of black history and Mm -hmm. history of which is sad because it's not just black history it's american history right yeah 
with really black stories. Like, history. why are we cutting out this whole piece of our history? Right. Um, so that was one thought. And then the other thought was like, in terms of the subject matter, unfortunately, a lot of things haven't really changed that much. And those were my two, two prevailing thoughts. But History it's, repeats. Um, I highly recommend Selma. It's really good. Um, and then my other one is if you have Amazon Prime, it's free with Amazon Prime is Making Waves. It's a documentary about sound design in film. I'm just a huge geek sound for nerd. sound design. Like not geek in the sense that I know a whole lot about it, but I just love anything that's behind the scenes in movies generally, but especially with sound design. And this just hit all the buttons for me and I love it so much. And I just want it to be longer. I wanted it to have more more behind the scenes details, but um, I'm a big fan of Ben Burt and there's a lot of Ben Burt love in there. So I highly recommend it. Making Waves, that's what it's called. And it's just came out this past year. So it's a great recommendation. Right, I'm going you? to yeah. recommend Dune. I finished reading Dune today. I finished listening to the audiobook of Dune today. All it's like 18, 19 hours worth of listening to Dune. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little slow to get started, but it's really good once it picks up. Without spoiling it, what did you like about it? I think it's fascinating because Dune was written in 1965, I think it was. Um, so many things are influenced by Dune. Like I would have never guessed it, but looking back, you know, looking back, looking forward from Dune, right. you can you can see the influences in Star Wars, and there's some things that I was thinking about, like with Batman and Arrival, and like there's these little things throughout that I'm like, oh, these are all definitely have some Dune vibes. Thank you so much for joining us this episode. We've had a lot of fun trying to get into the summer spirit. We hope that if you can't go to the beach, you can watch a beach party movie. Of all of them, I'd recommend Gidget. Gidget also Team Beach movie Team beach one and two. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'd recommend Jaws, but... <laughs> <laughs> That'll make you glad you can't go to the beach this summer. There you go. Watch Jaws and you won't feel so bad. Exactly. But also don't buy into the stereotype, people. We would like to thank our new patrons for joining us. Hudson, Ginny, and Luke. Hey, friends. Thanks so Welcome. much. You guys are the best. Our patrons are the absolute best. Like it's a fact. Literally the best. It is a truth universally acknowledged. If you want to talk with them, th those awesome patrons, or talk to us, just head to patreon.com slash hello from elsewhere. Check out the amazing tiers. For just $3 a month, you can join the Discord, which is awesome. Even if you have no idea how to do Discord, uh, you know, not that long ago, Valerie, you didn't know how to do Discord. Nope. Like the beginning of this year, I was finally starting yeah. to discord it up. And now you are a pro discordian. And sure. <laughs> but really, it's <laughs> but delightful. But I do like to there. be active on there because people are so much fun on there. People are so nice and so supportive. And we say it all the time, but we absolutely mean it. It is the best place on the internet. The actual best place on the internet. Agreed. Hello from Elsewhere is a proud member of WBNE. Visit WBNE.org for more fabulous podcasts like Bagels. Hello, I'm Tyler Carlin, and I love you. And I'm Emily Carlin, and I love you too. And if you love someone, or you love love, you should listen to our new podcast, Bagels! We're not experts, but we sure would like to be. And we believe the best way to get better at something is to practice. So listen to our story as it unfolds as young parents. As best friends. As husband and wife. As we explore what relationships mean to us and to those around us. Bagels, available now at WBNE.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, Casey, we should jump a yacht and uh, get away from this giant wave. Yeah, I'm going to go find the biggest wave off the coast of Montpelier, Vermont. 
Mm-hmm. That's or, where I'm heading next. Or Paris, Idaho. Or Paris, Idaho. Yep. Big waves in those territories. On that note, happy beeps. Happy beeps. The waves turned puce.